Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Well, if you have been here more than one service at Covenant Life, um, you've probably heard us talk about the Jericho Project. Uh, As a matter of fact, if you've just driven near the church uh, for the last two or three years, you've seen the signs, the banners that we've got out about the Jericho Project. My suspicion is that a lot of people, lots of people in the community, and probably some of the people here uh, don't know exactly what it is. You know about its existence, you know the name, but you don't necessarily know what it is. So today we're going to talk about the Jericho Project, what it is, what's the connection to Jericho and that passage in the Bible, and how we're going to carry it out, and how you can get involved. And I've got some really big exciting news that I'm, that, that I'm excited to share with you as well. So here's my goal today. If somebody asks you about the Jericho Project, I want you to be able to give them an answer that's clear and easy to understand, easy to remember. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to dive in. So the first question I want us to answer today is, what is the Jericho Project? What is the Jericho Project? And very simply, the Jericho Project is Covenant Life's fight against sex trafficking and exploitation. That's easy to remember, right? Y'all can do that. Covenant Life, uh, the Covenant Life's fight against sex trafficking and exploitation. That's what this is. John, why is a church focused on this kind of issue? Shouldn't a church be about singing and preaching and, and that kind of thing? We have not stopped fulfilling the five purposes of the church. All right, we have not stopped discipleship and evangelism and worship and prayer and ministry. If anything, this falls under the category of ministry. But those five purposes and our efforts at fulfilling those have not changed. They can't change if we're going to fulfill the mission that Christ gave to the church. That's very clear in Scripture. What's also very clear in Scripture is that God is a God of justice. That he is a God that, that it, it, it matters to him how we treat people. How you treat people matters. It matters to those people and it matters to God. And God is not okay with injustice. And God is not okay with racism. And God is not okay with prejudice. And he's not okay with mistreating the poor and the disenfranchised or anybody else for that matter. He's not okay with allowing people to prey on other people and enslave them for any reason. He expects his people to speak up on behalf of those who have no voice and to help those who are most vulnerable. What does he say? Is our job here on the earth, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. That's what he expects of us. If, you, if you've ever heard uh, the passage from Isaiah 1 where it says, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Read the verse before that. When he talks about giving justice to the poor. When he talks about helping the widows and the orphans. When he talks about speaking up on behalf of those who can't speak for themselves. Okay, we've got to quit chopping up the Bible into the phrases that we like and forgetting about and ignoring the phrases that we don't. We've got to take the whole counsel of God and do what the word says to do the stuff that's convenient and the stuff that's not convenient. Okay, 
The stuff that fits our political agendas and the stuff that doesn't fit our political agendas. And if you have, oh Lord, I'm not even nowhere near my notes and I just got started. And if you have a political agenda that is at odds with the word of God, then you have a choice to make. You have to choose which is going to be your God. Because there's not room on the throne for both. Okay? And if you're a Democrat first or a Republican first before you're a follower of Jesus. There's a rude awakening coming. And if judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Then we should tremble. And we should be courageous enough and humble enough to say, I've got this backwards and today is the day that I'm getting this straight. All right? So we do what the Lord says, no matter who says we shouldn't. Right? Right? So let God be true and every man a liar. Now, we're one church and there is a world full of hurt and pain and injustice. And we can't fix it all. All right, but we, we can't do everything, but that does not give us permission to do nothing. All right, so we have to do something about the issues of justice in our world. And I believe that bringing an end to sex trafficking and exploitation is what God has called us to focus on. And, and, and it's our goal. And the Jericho Project is how we achieve that goal. Okay, so. Uh, why is it called the Jericho Project? What in the world does this have to do with Jericho? Well, I'd like to show you that. We're going to start in Joshua chapter 2. We'll go to Joshua 6. And then we're going to wind up in Matthew chapter 1. Joshua 2 verse 1. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. Sounds like a fancy subdivision, doesn't it? Um, he instructed them, go scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan Uh, especially around Jericho, the city of Jericho. So the two men set out, came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who've come into your house because they've come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men but she replied, yes, those men were here earlier, but I don't know where they were from. I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry up, you can probably catch them. And in parentheses, actually, she had taken them up on the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax that she had laid out. So the king's men went out looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan. As soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. And before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up there on the roof to talk to him. She said, I know the Lord has given you this land. She had never heard of the Lord before. But now she knows the Lord has given them them this land, the promised land. We're We're all afraid of you. Everyone in this land is living in terror. We've heard how the Lord made a dry path through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the king, the Amorite kings east of the Jordan, whose people were completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I've helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, 
not if, but when it's conquered, you'll let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. We offer our own lives as guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we'll keep our promise and we'll be kind to you when the Lord gives us this land. Now, chapter 6, and there's a, a little bit that happened in the, next, in the ensuing chapters. Chapter 6, the walls of, Cher- of Jericho have fallen. And now, uh, meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise. Lord, that's a whole message all to its own, isn't it? Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house. Bring her out along with all her family. The men who had, who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, all her other relatives who were with her. And they moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. And then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made of silver, gold, bronze, and iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute, all her relatives who were with her in the house, because she had hidden the spies Jericho, that Joshua sent to Jericho. And, and then I love this. And this is the transition to the passage in Matthew. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. She was just camped nearby Now she lives among the Israelites to this day. Look at Matthew chapter 1. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Now look at verses 5 and 6. Salmon was the father of of Boaz, look, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, I would say she's among the Israelites, wouldn't you? Yeah. So Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Now, what does this have to do with the Jericho project? This woman named Rahab, a prostitute in the city of Jericho, was instrumental in the children of Israel being able to come into the promised land. When the battle started, Joshua sent the two spies to fulfill their promise to rescue her and her family. And what I love is they didn't just get them out and send them on their way. They brought her and her family right up next to the camp of Israel where they'd be safe and where they'd find community. And then before long, they were living among the people of Israel. That means they were committed to serving and loving God just like the rest of the Jewish people. And then Matthew's gospel tells us that Rahab married a man named Salmon and their descendants were David, Solomon, and even Jesus Christ himself. Why is it called the Jericho Project? Here's the answer. Because covenant life is called to rescue the Rahabs of this world and invite them to be part of God's family. See, we don't, we don't just want to see them come out of Jericho. We don't just want to see them come out of that life. We, we, want, we want them to be a part of the family. We don't want to just wave at them and say, hey, good luck to you. Hope everything works out all right. We want the Rahabs of this world, the trafficked and exploited people of any gender, male or female, any age, okay, kids or adults, we want them to come to know Jesus. We want them to find healing, to find life, to find hope, to find health, and to find a community of faith either in in the town of their choice or right here with us. That's the call. That's the call. You say, John, you're okay with people with that kind of past being in your church? Listen, first of all, everybody in this church has got a past. So let's just get that out there. 
and get that out of the way. Some of us don't talk about it, but all of us got one. Okay. Secondly, I'm not going to be the one who tells Jesus his great grandmother ain't welcome here. Right. Uh, and y'all not going to do it either. Come to think of it. All right. So, so I'm telling you, Rahab's are welcome here and, and so are the abused and the exploited and the poor and the pimps and the players and the hustlers and the drunks and the addicts and the black people, the white people, the brown people, and every other shade of people that God created every language, every tribe, every tongue, every day, every time have to be welcome in his house. There's room in the family of God for everybody. If the Holy Spirit draws them and the blood of Jesus washes away their sins and the Heavenly Father forgives them and adopts them, then who in the world are we to say no to anybody? And while I'm on a roll... Let me just go ahead and say, if you think you're too holy to sit in the sanctuary with a Rahab or any other person that Jesus died for, this is not the church for you. Okay? Unfortunately, I can give you a few suggestions of some places where you'd be welcome, but this ain't one of them. As a matter of fact, I'd rather worship with someone whose past is full of Jericho, but whose future is full of Jesus, than to worship with somebody whose present is full of themselves. One of our core values says we're more concerned with your future than your past. We believe your past should be a stepping stone, not a stumbling block. I truly believe that this church is called to rescue the Rahabs and to invite them to be part of God's family. That's why it's called the Jericho Project. All right? Now, third question, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? How do we carry out the Jericho Project? And there are three words that are going to guide our fight against sex trafficking and exploitation. And they are educate, collaborate, and facilitate. Educate collaborate, facilitate. Let's talk about educate first. One of the biggest contributing factors to the success of a trafficking operation is the ignorance of the community in which it exists. In other words, the less people are aware, the easier it is to operate. A trafficker's worst nightmare is an educated and empowered, motivated community who's looking out for the warning signs of those who may be the victims and who are working to reduce the number of people who are at risk in their community. So people wonder, John, why are you so passionate about rescuing these women, these children, these men from trafficking? Because I can't unlearn what I've learned and I can't unsee what I've seen. Like the the British uh, abolitionist William Wilberforce said in the 18th century when he was trying to when he was uh, trying to abolish African slavery in the in the United Kingdom, he said to Parliament one day, "You may choose to look the other way, but you can never again say that you did not know." I've spent the last four years reading and watching everything I could get my hands on about trafficking and and exploitation in our country and around the world, and I will never be the same. We have to educate people about the existence of and the evil of trafficking. 
and exploitation. Because people can't fight an enemy they don't know exists. They can't rescue victims they don't know exist. They will not vote for or lobby for laws that punish crimes that they don't even know exist. We have to educate people before we do anything else. And it starts right here in this house. Now, I'll do my best to, to, to serve every family and every person that, that God has charged me with shepherding. And I, do, I, I, I don't leverage my position but I'm just going to say this right here. If you call this church home and you call me your pastor, I am asking you to read at least one book about trafficking. And if you don't know what book that needs to be, there's a book called Rescuing Hope by a woman named Suzanne, uh, Susan Norris. She lives in Smyrna. She's, she's friends with, uh, with Beth and Sam Lutz. They went to church together. She wrote a book called Rescuing Hope. Um, this, this is what it looks like. Apparently there are lots of, of books called Rescuing Hope. Uh, this is what the book looks like. If you have not read anything about trafficking, or if you have but you haven't read this book, read this book. Um, they're about 15 bucks on Amazon. They, if you can't afford it, we'll let you borrow one. It won't, uh, we have some in the lobby. We have a resource table set up in the lobby. If you'd like to come buy one, then come get it. Let, uh, let the ladies that are going to be out there know. And if you want to put the money in the offering, then that's fine. But if you just want to borrow one, that's cool too. But it's called Rescuing Hope. Go get one and read it. It won't take you two or three hours to read it. It'll take you the rest of your life to forget it. And I hope you don't. It is The books that are on the table out there are not Christian books. Some of them are. Some of them are not. So this is not a devotional, y'all. Right? This is not sip a cup of coffee and just feel warm and fuzzy inside. This is not it. There are books out there that will make you stick to your stomach. But you still need to read them. You still need to know what's going on. So this, this book is not graphic or obscene. Uh, it's not inappropriate. It is graphic enough for you to understand what happens to the victims of this crime. I'd say PG-13. I let my teenage daughter read it. Um, but you read it and you see what your kids uh, can handle. But I tell you what, your kids need to know what goes on in this world. So the plan to educate starts with us, but it doesn't end with us. We have wonderful community leaders in our area who are 100% on board with us in this fight. We plan to work with them to, to plan and provide training for and host it if we can, do it off-site if that's better, but to provide training for the various sectors of our community, the educators, the law enforcement, uh, medical, hotel motel operators, truck stop owners, general public. I, I am glad to say that as a school bus driver, um, that's now part of our training every year. We, ha- we, we watch a video about trafficking and what we can, the, the, uh, the things we can see that might indicate that that's going on and what we need to do about it. And I'm thrilled that Governor Kemp and, and Miss Marty, his wife, has made this her issue. And she's beating this drum as loud as she can. She knows what we're doing here. She's been here. I got a chance to meet her and let her tour the facility. And she is a wonderful woman um, who, who is really passionate about this fight. That is, that is not a political statement at all. It's just a fact that this is on people's radar now because of what Marty Kemp has been doing in the state in the last few years, and I'm, and I'm grateful for that.
So here's what we're going to do as to educate people. Um, we'll provide starter kits of books and resources for area churches. We've already done this. Uh, if they can purchase them, we'll just give them the list of what they need to buy. If, they're, if it's a small church and they can't afford it, then we'll send them some of the books and the resources. The little starter kit, we'll send it to them free. Uh, you need to just tell them to get in touch with me, okay? Um, there, are, there are books on the resource table. We have a list of things you can read, things you can, uh, you can watch, a list of materials for those who want to educate themselves. There are lots of videos. He's like, I just don't like to read. All right, there's e-books. You can listen to somebody, not just e-books, um, audio books. You can have somebody read it to you. You can watch lots of things. Um, so it, there's no excuse for not educating yourself. All right? We send, we have and, and will continue to send speakers to civic organizations as they request it. I've already done a couple of them myself. We've got another one coming up this week that I can't cover, so one of the ladies uh, who works for the HOC is going to cover for me. Um, we have to look for ways to educate people about this issue through, through seminars, through any other efforts that the church sponsors, and, and, through, and, and maybe the best is through conversations that you have with people who know you and trust you and believe you when you speak. People in your circle, we need to start having conversations. I don't know how many books I've given to the, the ladies that I drive a school bus with. And when, when one of them gets done, I go to somebody else's bus and say, you need to read this. And, um, and those who like me do. <laughs> and those who don't probably don't. Um, so just educate the people who are in your circle. All right? So that's the first word. Here's the second word, collaborate. Collaborate. The word actually means co-labor. It means to work together. We know we are not the first to this fight. All right? There are many, many organizations who have been doing it for decades. So they know more than we do. It's dumb to try to reinvent what they've already pioneered. So it makes much more sense and much better use of the resources, uh, of, of the, the limited resources of any individual church to partner with people who are already doing it. We have a very special and close relationship with the House of Cherith in Atlanta. I thank God for them and pray for them. But they are not our only partners in this fight. Okay, And part of what I'm trying to, do, to get you to understand today is that our relationship with the House of Cherith is not the same as the Jericho Project. Okay, They are a partner in, in the Jericho Project, but they are not the only organizations that we partner with. This, and here's why it's, we're not limiting our, our, uh, our fight with just the House of Cherith. Because this issue is too big for any single organization to do everything. So there are some organizations that, that focus on changing or enforcing the laws. There are some organizations that focus on rest, the rescuing part. There are some that focus on the rehabilitation and treatment of those who were rescued. Some focus on education and training. Some focus on root causes like pornography and poverty and domestic violence. It's a massive fight, and we all need each other. Okay, So we launched, we launched the Jericho Project in, in um, December of 2019. And when we did, the council, and I, now we have a board of elders, but at the time it was called a church and pastor's council, we got together and decided that we needed to focus as much of our missions giving as possible on this issue. And so we reevaluated our missions giving through this lens, and now um, we, we give to organizations around the world and locally whose efforts help to prevent people from being victimized 
by traffickers, prevent or, or rescue people who have been uh, victimized by traffickers. We have a list of partner organizations that, that you, can get, you can consider getting involved with. And, uh, and we, we continue to walk this fight out into the future, and we're going to look for opportunities to partner with whoever and whatever makes sense for us at the time. Um, now, on the table is a, is a resource list of organizations that you might consider partnering with or at least getting information from. I follow many of these organizations in, on my social media, so I see the information that they share, and, and some of it is fantastic. Okay, So you, you might consider doing that. Now, I want, you to, I want you to hear me saying this. Everybody hear me say this. Not every organization listed on that page is a Christian organization. Did everybody hear that? Did y'all hear that? So don't call me if you see something that you don't agree with on their website. I know, okay? But we, we, we're, not asked, we're not necessarily going to enter into an official partnership uh, with them. I'm just trying to help you understand the scope of the problem and show you a variety of organizations, uh, a variety of ways that we approach this fight, okay? Trafficking continues to morph. It continues to change every year. We need strong, passionate voices who are partners with us with whom we can collaborate, all right? So that, that's what that means. Now, educate, collaborate. Here's the last thing, facilitate. Facilitate. We want to get uh, directly involved as much as possible. And not just give to those who are fighting the fight. We want to be shoulder to shoulder with them. We want to use every available resource we have, including our facilities here on this campus, to see this project reach its maximum potential, whatever that is. All right? This whole project was really birthed in the search for what God wanted us to do with this property that we have. We have seven and a half acres uh, of land right here in the heart of the city, and we own this large commercial property next door that you saw on your way in this morning. Well, if you parked over there, you did. came through the lobby. We call it the Antique Mall because that was the last business that occupied that, uh, that building. Okay, So when you hear us talk about the Antique Mall, you go, Antique Mall? Sometimes I do hear myself talk and think, people have no idea what you're talking about. Um, it happens to me a lot more than it used to. So anyway, that's, we call that the antique mall because that's the business that was there. All right. Initially, our assumption was we could convert those buildings into something that housed women and children who had been rescued. Um, but the asbestos and the lead-based paint that was present, as well as the, t- the deterioration that's happened from them just being empty for so long and the holes in the roof has led us to the point that we're going to have to demo uh, a lot of it. And the cost of the initial bid to do that um, a few years ago when we got that was hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was close to a half a million dollars, um, which we did not have. Um, when we launched the Jericho Project in 2019, we actually thought we were several years away from really being able to get, get our hands dirty in the fight. When the pandemic hit, God, ch- God challenged us again uh, really just a couple months after we started, a few months, three, four months after we started the Jericho Project, God challenged us again and said, uh, I know you're trusting me with what you're planning for the future, but do you trust me with what's already in your hand? And so the challenge was that, that we would convert a part of the education building uh, into a one-of-a-kind partnership with the House of Cherith that opened several months ago, and we are thrilled. We're thrilled about it. All right. So once that opened, then we started looking again to the future. The current facility that we have houses a maximum of seven ladies. We would, we'd honestly like to give them the whole building. 
We just want to give them the building, the whole thing. Um, the, I, I just have to say this. Uh, I talked with Miss Mamie Coley, who the building is named after. It's the Coley building. She's 102 years old. Um, she could still take most of us in a fight. Um, she's just the coolest little lady. I, I, once we got it ready and before the HOC was able to get it occupied, I, I, she came up here and she toured the place and sat, on the, sat in the chairs. And she said, oh, John, this is nice, she said. So I talked to her this week, and, and um, she said, hey, how, how's the project going? How are the ladies doing? So she, nothing would tickle her more than the building that's, that's her namesake and her legacy to be completely filled with women who are finding hope and finding restoration and, and healing and help. So I just don't want anybody to worry about that. Miss Mamie is 100%, or I guess in her case, 102%. <laughs> on board. Sometimes I amuse myself. Um, this is a happy place up here sometimes. Okay. So we'd like to give them the whole building. That means we have to find something to do. We have to find a different place for our kids and students to, uh, to go to, because we share that space. So when our, we, we asked our environment, our environmental specialist to come back and look at the property again and, and help us break it into bite-sized chunks that we, that we, can, uh, that we can take a, a bit at a time, a bite at a time. So we were able to take the first bite a few months ago. Um, it was about $40,000, and we were able to do 40, maybe 47, I don't remember. Uh, but that's the big blank slab of concrete you see out there right now. Um, so here's what I've been waiting to tell you. The quote on the next bite is $25,000. Okay, so the plan is to, if you walk out this door, um, there's a building right here that uh, the, the plan would be to take that building down. There is another room that's on the, um, there's, there's a long building this way. There's one room on the outside of that that will come down. And then there's a couple of storage, fairly large storage buildings that are behind that that would come down. Okay, we would also take down the metal awning, and we're already in the process of taking down that metal awning that's right here uh, at the back of the sanctuary, the curved one that connects to another building, and then this awning over here, the long one that connects to the, the, the building that's farthest away. So that's, that would be the plan, is to get all of that down. That would make the space between the church and that property feel like a football field. I mean, it's just going to make it feel a whole lot bigger. Um, we're a little bit short in the Jericho Project account of where we'd like to be to be able to pull the trigger on that. But we also didn't want to let the opportunity go by. So we are stepping out in faith, and we've asked the environmental specialist to pencil us in on his calendar. Unless we tell him differently, we will begin the next bite, the abatement and the demo, on July 17th, which is just a few weeks away. Isn't that good news? Yay. Good stuff. All right, now we learned from the last time, do not bring a sandwich and sit in the parking lot on July 17th and wait on stuff to fall down. That's not how this works, okay? They, the fun stuff happens after they get all the hazmat out. So just, just calm down. Eat your sandwich at home, and it'll eventually it'll go away. So, um, but, but wait, there's more, okay? So the reason we're so excited about this is that as far as we know, this is the last bite we have to take before we can start looking at construction instead of destruction, right? So that's good news. 
after these buildings come down, we can start planning a brand new kids and student ministry facility that will be right here adjacent to and connected to uh, the sanctuary. And then once we get that building up and running, then we can focus on converting the entire Coley building to serve the House of Cherith West campus. And, and that will more than double their capacity, give them the space to have a clothing boutique, uh, hair salon, medical treatment rooms, uh, counseling areas, whatever they need, everything they need to serve these wonderful ladies. So we are really, really excited about that. We sat down, Kelsey and I and, and some of the other staff sat down months ago before we ever got it opened. Uh, in the first place, we sat down and said, okay, now what's the next step? What could you do with the whole building? So Kelsey's little wheel started flowing and, and we, we're, we're excited about whatever is next and, and whenever that's going to happen. So, so we're, we're excited about taking that next step towards the future. Now you say, John, so thanks for sharing the vision. Thanks for sharing the vision of the church with us. That's really exciting. And I want to tell you this, this is not the vision of the church. This is just the vision of the Jericho project. Okay. Now this is an integral part of what we do as a church. And I'm just, and well, I already just told you, if you ain't bought into this then go find another church, (laughs) didn't I say that a few minutes ago? So this is an integral part of the church and we can't separate the two, but it's not the only thing we do. And it's not the only thing we can, we have to, we have to push forward as a, as a church and do more and do different. But listen, I want you to understand this. And this may be the first time as I was preparing this, this may be the first time this really hit me. Jericho wasn't the promised land. It was just the first city in the promised land. The promise of God was the whole land. But God demanded that Jericho be dedicated and set apart from him. He said, give me Jericho first. Before, you, before you're going to inherit the promised land, you've you got to set aside Jericho. I, he said, you give me this and I'll bless the rest of the land for you. And we started this partnership with the House of Cherith, which was just the craziest thing. It was just, it was just crazy. That's how I knew it was God, just the most bizarre. And, and when, when, I, when we started this conversation with them, I think we had raised about twenty-five dollars or $30,000 we had in that account. Um, like, don't tell Kelsey, the HOC executive director, but we didn't have the money to do what we were promising to do when we talked to her. Well, the dirty little secret is she already knew, and she didn't have the money to do it either. All right. So, but we both saw this kingdom opportunity and we both knew we had to do it. So we both committed to each other, shook hands, hugged necks, high-fived, whatever, and just said, we're going to go do, we're going to go do what God's called us to do. And so we just committed to keep walking. We just committed to keep circling the city, right? We just committed to keep, to keep being obedient, to keep praying and praising the walls down. And Missy, wherever Missy is, there's Missy. Hey, uh, our treasurer can attest to this. She's like, what? What did I do? Um, she can attest to this, but this church has been nothing but blessed since we started the Jericho Project. Right? I'm telling you, everything we've done to this point has been completely debt-free. We haven't borrowed a dime from anybody for anything. Right? So we're way over, I don't know, 150000 uh, to I don't know. We spent a lot of money because people gave a lot of money for a purpose. And we were, we were faithful. We have been and will continue to be faithful to that purpose. God has provided every dime of every dollar we've spent. So, and it's mostly from you. We've had a few people from outside who've given us money. 
But for the most part, it's the people who call Covenant Life home. It's the people who are bought into the vision and the passion of the Jericho Project who have made this happen. And I believe that if we'll commit to helping those who can't help themselves, that God will do things in the other areas of our church that will just blow our minds. Things we haven't even imagined yet. But he's calling us to commit to Jericho first. All right? So you say, John, what do we, so what do, we do? What's, what's the next steps? Where do we go from here? Well, like everything else, there's some things we have to start doing, some things we have to stop doing. And I'm, I'm going to be blunt about a few things that we're going to have to stop. Okay? And just because I'm saying them don't mean I'm accusing you of them, so don't take them personally. But this, this, our messages go around the world to people who are not all saved. All right? Everybody okay? Y'all all right? And I've scared you now. But listen, people can't do better until they know better. So, so here, here we go. Stop viewing pornography. Some of it's illegal. All of it's a sin. And it's the, pornography is the invisible engine of sex trafficking. We can't stop trafficking without stopping porn. And that begins with each individual man or woman who is choosing to view pornography. We have to stop it. You cannot say, I'm all about anti-trafficking ministries and organizations and continue to watch porn. Stop going to strip clubs. Stop justifying and rationalizing in your mind that this is just the way business happens and I have to take clients and bosses there and then pass it off as a business tact. That, no. No. Stop hiring prostitutes. Stop allowing men to disrespect women around you. Stop ignoring sexual harassment and sexual abuse. Stop seeing trafficking as a victimless crime. Stop denying that it's a problem where we live. All right? What can we start doing? Start praying. Start praying. On the table, you'll find a half sheet of paper. It's called the Jericho Prayer. We've been praying that prayer since December of 2019, some version of it, as we've continued to walk through the different stages of the Jericho Project. Please pick one up, and, and please start praying this with us on a regular basis. They're on the resource table. Take one. Put it somewhere that you're going to see it every day. All right? Pray for the people who are trapped in this slavery. Pray for the people who are being groomed right now and don't even know it. Pray for God to raise up rescuers. Pray for more places for those who've been rescued to go and to find healing. Pray for law enforcement and prosecutors to enforce the laws that we do have on the books. Pray for judges and legislators to pass the right laws and to, and to judge accordingly. And just, just pray. Just pray. Start giving. I, I, don't, I don't even have to explain that, right? I'm, I'm not here to shame you or twist your arm or none of that stuff. But if everybody does what they can do, it'll be enough. Start learning. It, it's, it's time to educate yourself um, about this issue if you haven't already. Heather's got a box of books uh, at the back, you can choose from there. You can borrow some of them. And we've got a lot of different titles, a lot of different kinds of books. Um, there are some that are probably, Heather, wouldn't you say, probably better to start with than some other books? 
So if she like swats your hand <laughs> and it's your first book, that's why. So we're, we're, we'll help you choose uh, to, to be able to get started in this. Uh, but there's a list of books and videos and organizations and resources that will help you start understanding what's going on. And so it's at the resource table in the back. And then we can start serving. We can start serving ladies. Corey, come on and play something, man. Start serving. Uh, ladies, you can volunteer. Uh, right here on our campus. You can volunteer at the Tallapoosa campus. You can volunteer at the Atlanta campus. So see Carla or Stephanie. I don't know where either of them are. There's Steph. Okay, I was like, you're not Carla? Okay, yeah, that's Carla. Carla and Stephanie are here. They'll be at the resource table as well. Ladies, if you'd like to volunteer, please please do that, and they can tell you how to do that. Um, Gentlemen, we have a page at the table that lists three organizations in our area that you can get involved in as well, all right? So any anti-trafficking organization that you're going to want to serve with is going to require a criminal background check and some form of orientation or volunteer training, all right? So just expect that. Keep that in mind. Uh, One of those organizations uh, on the men's page, one of those organizations requires a $25 fee for the background check. But just keep all that in mind. You're like, well, if it's going to cost me something, listen, if it, if it don't cost you something, it probably ain't worth nothing. Okay? So if, you're gonna, if it means something to you, you've got to be willing to, to, uh, to sacrifice to get involved. All right? So let me wrap this up. Three questions I wanted you to be able to answer today. What's the Jericho Project? It's Covenant Life's fight against sex trafficking and exploitation. Why is it called Jericho? Why, what's it got to do with Jericho? Because Covenant Life is called to rescue the Rahabs of this world and invite them to be a part of God's family. And how are we going to carry it, around, carry it out? Three words. Educate, collaborate, facilitate. Okay? Y'all stand with me. John, how are we going to end this message? I got no idea. I'm waiting on the Lord to show up to rescue me from this thing here. Listen, we got to talk about we got to talk about the reality that exists in our world. We have to remind ourselves from time to time. John, I'm tired of hearing about the Jericho Project. I'm sorry. This is this is the call of God for our church. We got to keep talking about it because we got to keep focusing on it. We got to keep pushing because these. Listen, at the end of the day, here's what I want you to understand. These are not statistics. These are not stories on the news. These are not, these are not fictionalized versions of, of, of uh, stories that we read that entertain us or challenge us or inspire us or break our hearts. At the end of the day, these are people. These are people. We're all excited about Roe versus Wade being overturned because we're pro-life. What about these people? What about rescuing them? Are we just pro-fetus or are we pro-life? Because these are God's children as well and are being treated in ways that if you haven't educated yourself, you just better put on a seatbelt because you can't imagine the evils that are going on in this world until you open your eyes to them. And it's time God's calling us to open our eyes to what's going on around us and then do something about it. Okay? So we're going to pray. We're going to pray, and we've got one, one more person to pray over before we leave as a church. We're going to pray over him, but I'll tell you about that in a minute. Let's, let's just pray right, right where we are. Father, 
we're humbled uh, and grateful for this call. Lord, I, I, I don't even have time to explain all of the ways that we know. We know this is what you called us to do. And Lord, I just thank you for, for trusting us with this. And I say that humbly. And I pray, God, that we're, we walk worthy of the calling that you've placed on us. I pray, God, that every person who calls Covenant Life home will educate themselves about what's going on in our world around us. I pray that we will be properly motivated and equipped to go and do something about it, that we collaborate with, the, with all of the other agencies and organizations around the world who are also fighting uh, this, this, this scourge against humanity. And I pray, God, that we, will, that we will be faithful to do everything we can possibly do, leverage every resource, leverage every opportunity that we have to, to be able to facilitate the, the freedom uh, of these ladies and, uh, and these children and, and even the men who are trapped in this slavery. Lord, we just pray right now for the women who have not been rescued who are still living this life, for the, for the men, women, and children, Lord, who are living this life uh, of abuse and violence every day. We pray, God, that you would give them hope to sustain them. Lord, that you would raise up rescuers to come and to help them and to show them the way. We pray, God, for, for organizations who will open their arms to them and welcome them in. We pray, God, that you give them the heart of compassion and the strength that they need to, to walk alongside of them. We pray for those, for those folks who have come out, who've been rescued. We pray that they have hope. We pray they have strength. We pray they have courage. Lord, that you begin to rebuild and reform their minds that have been so damaged and twisted by the things they've been through, that you would heal and restore and, and rescue them, Lord, from the abuse. And Lord, that you'd set their feet on a solid rock to be able to go forward into their future. That they wouldn't look so much to the past, but they'd look to the, the hope and the joy that's set before them and give them strength to overcome every challenge and every obstacle and every trauma. Lord, I pray that you would, that you would uh, bless this Jericho project. Lord, that you would help us, that, that, that you'd be glorified in everything that we do. Lord, that every resource we need would be provided in order for us to move forward into the future that, that you've called us to. Lord, I pray that you would rescue every Rahab around this world, Father. I pray that you would increase the, the tithing and the giving to this church because the Jericho Project can't be successful if the church is not successful. And I pray that you would increase the giving here so that we can continue to push forward with this thing. God, we celebrate today the victory even before we see it. We celebrate the walls that have to come down. We celebrate the walls that have to be built and remodeled. We just thank you for it. Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, that you would be, that you just continue to get the glory and the honor that you would overwhelm us with passion, overwhelm us with love and with grace, that what we've so freely been given, that we would freely give. Lord, we just, we honor you and glorify you and thank you for this opportunity. We pray, God, your blessing and your favor over every person that's involved in it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747.
At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.